Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to a Super Bloom podcast. I'm your host, Candace King. Uh, you know what my favorite thing on a beautiful fall day is? Sitting on a couch or in a cozy chair or bed and having a giant stack of books just sitting there staring at you right next to you, being like, hey, good friend, just snuggle up. Let's hang out for a while. You know, maybe, maybe you got a cup of coffee or a tea or a glass of wine. Oh, there is just nothing better than actually giving yourself, or I'll speak for myself, there's nothing better when I give myself permission to sit down and enjoy a really good book. And that is another reason why I love podcasting, because it gives me an excuse to sit down and talk with authors and writers and like all these wonderful people where I can just like daydream about being one of them, because it also sounds really romantic to me to just sit down and be writing a wonderful book. And that's what we're going to talk about today uh, with Jenny Mustard. And Jenny Mustard's life just looks like one big romance novel. If you don't follow her on TikTok or follow her YouTube videos, I mean... Just one word, aesthetic. You know, you know when you just like watch like a TikTok or watch a YouTube or like look at someone's Instagram and you're like, oh, I wish I could just like climb into this little video or this photo and just curl up and just imagine myself in that life. And it looks like this like 
little storybook house and you're like, ah, it just calms you. It like calms your nervous system looking at this lifestyle aesthetic that they've come up with. Um, that's kind of what it's like to check out Jenny Mustard's uh, social media. And you know what? A conversation with her isn't that much different. So if you don't know Jenny Mustard, she was born in Sweden, but she currently lives in London. Uh, you may know her as a social media influencer. I mean, she has over 600,000 followers and uh, 50 million views on YouTube. She hosts a pop culture podcast with her partner, David. And today, we're going to be talking about her debut novel, OK Days, and her journey and experience in writing it. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Jenny Mustard. Yes, it'd be at nighttime in London right now, but I also was surprised you used the American... Or the English way instead of the typical where everyone else in the world uses, <laughs> what is it, military time? It's not military time. That's just what we call it in the States. Military but like, time. Or like if oh, they're like, oh, it's oh, 14 o'clock. Yeah. Oh, yeah, or yeah, like, yeah. 18, like, I don't know if it's called 14 o'clock. In Sweden, where I'm from, we use the military. I've never heard the expression before. But yeah, we use that one. So here it's just 4 p.m., 6 p.m. What, what time is it with you, by the way? It is 2.30 in the afternoon. All right. So it's like a nice fall day here mm-hmm. in Tennessee. I live in Nashville. I've been here for a couple of years. And and you moved to London from Sweden. How long have you been in London now? All in all, it's coming up on nine years. But mm-hmm. I had like a break in the middle. But like I moved back to Sweden for two years. Then I did Berlin for three years. And then I came back to London again. So I think I came back almost five years ago now. Yeah. Was there a very big, I also just like love like Swedish and Scandinavian style. And so I've followed a lot of fashion blogs over the years, but was influencing big in the town that you grew up in? I feel like were you in, I know you lived in Stockholm at a certain point, but Mm -hmm. like, yeah, was there like a very big kind of rush of influencing and influencers at the time? Or was everyone like, what are you doing on your phone all the time? (laughs) Well, I actually started as an influencer after I came to London the first time. So when I moved back to Sweden for just two years, my partner and I, we just moved out to like live, lived in our family summer houses, just jumped around to be able to like basically grow a business without having to pay rent. So I was just out in the countryside. I didn't see much of like the influencer scene in Stockholm at all. I was doing quite a lot of like food content at the time. So I did meet some like really lovely like vegan food creators and like chefs and stuff like that. But I, I didn't like really meet any of the fashionistas. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, it's totally fine. <laughs> Do you have a favorite? And I mean, these days at this point, I, I've now since had children. And so it's really just like focusing on, I mean, baby gap. Maybe that's like where I end up most fashion. You know, I'm just such a trendy <laughs> person in the, in the kids department. I really don't have often times time for myself. For you, when you moved to London, I know that you and your partner decided to kind of just do something new. You guys were very young when you moved there together in your early 20s. And what was kind of like the first, what got you into creating all this wonderful content? I mean, you've created such a community online. And I think that that's really incredible. It's not, even though I have a community of people who follow me online, it is very much because I played a character on a TV show and they've kind of been, you know, maybe that's usually a reason why someone pays attention to anything that I would post or create online. So I'm always fascinated by anyone who's able to share a bit of themselves. And that is what kind of attracts and brings about a lot of people wanting to know more about them. So 
what was kind of the first thing that you started to post about that you realized was more curated as opposed to just for the sake of sharing something with your friends and family? Actually, like we started out with, I decided to start like a vintage clothing site where I would sell clothes online. So I would just model, like buy vintage stuff, model it, and then my partner David would take photos and then we just started a website. So it started just like as a site. And then like we had lots of customers who's like, who is that girl? What's her name? Is she on Instagram? So they kind of requested me to start on Instagram. So that's how I sort of, you know, became an Instagrammer. And then, you know, we just, we used social media for the website at first, but then my, my partner, he studied film and TV production and he was like, I think we should start doing YouTube. And back then we didn't even know like that such a thing as a YouTuber even existed. Like we thought that people put stuff on YouTube to then put on their site or on their Facebook or, you know, other pages. So yeah, we just had fun with it, did some like vegan cooking videos. And then we just saw that it kind of took off. So from there, I just basically, whenever I find like a new hobby or something that interests me, I just kind of steer my channels towards that. And I think that like, I can't keep talking about the same thing over and over. So I just, I just go with my gut, even though, you know, someone who started following me for vegan YouTube videos would probably maybe not be so interested in, you know, fashion or interdesign design or something else that I post about. But I, I don't know. I think I just have to keep it fresh, I guess. So I tend to just go where my hobbies take me. (laughs) And that's what's so incredible, I think, about, you know, our generation and the ability to build your own business, establish your own brand, and also kind of create from home, create with partners, create with friends, people around you, and not be beholden to kind of more a traditional sense of kind of following someone else's path and creating your own. What did you want? I mean, I'm so excited to talk about your book and also, you know, obviously OK Days and and kind of how that came to be. But did you always want to write? Were you writing a lot as a kid? I know you post all the time about all the books that you read. And that is very much a curated part of, of not only your life, but the content that you produce for everyone. You know, Candice, I think I'm like, I see myself as a reader first. Like I've always been a huge reader. And I just think that I guess like for me, storytelling is just all one and the same. Like no matter if it's like a photo or like a video or text, I just kind of see all storytelling as being, you know, the different disciplines of the same thing. So I've always known that I wanted to be a creative person, like work creatively if possible. But writing a novel, that's like come and gone a little bit. Like I've been having some periods where I've been writing a lot and focusing on it and finding it really fun. And then because of my influencer job, I've been having like a big creative outlet there and sometimes felt that, you know, that's creative enough. That's like enough creative outlet for me to be sort of satisfied. So it's come and gone in waves, but reading is like always my kind of form of meditation, if that makes sense. So I'm always a reader. And then, you know, after been, I've been doing YouTube for so long and started taking writing more seriously, I feel like that's kind of where I belong. That's kind of like my best discipline. Like that's where my brain sort of works best. Are you, what? what is your favorite type of novel? What is your favorite type of book that you gravitate towards? Obviously, I would assume romance, but maybe that might not be true just because it is part of what you wrote. But is, is there like a specific genre that you love? 
I actually don't read any romance at all. Like really? I know that I've, I've written like a, a love story, but you know, I'm, I'm I'm not sure if you in the US have this distinction between like literary fiction and commercial fiction. Like in Sweden, we don't make that distinction, but here, like it seems to be quite a divide. Like if you belong to the commercial sphere or the literary sphere, do you call, like do you have those like the no? What would be not? I don't think so. What would be the difference? Literary fiction is more like maybe experimental or like with a lot of focus on the prose on like a sentence level it might deal with some like quite heavy or difficult themes so it might be you know trying to do something new whereas commercial fiction is more like thrillers or romance or like feel-good novels that more sort of will, will reach like a wider audience basically so I think like for me like I'm trying to learn like the British lingo around all this and I'm myself when I'm reading i gravitates more or less only towards literary fiction. I'm I'm reading because of sentences. Like I love a good sentence and like a good paragraph. So I don't really care that much about like plot and characters and all that. I'm just here for language. So that's why like I don't really read a lot of romance. I, I read love stories, but you know, not kind of the more mainstream, more traditional romance, I'd say. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really well versed in that genre. So I kind of see my own writing as a sort of like my my debut novel as a sort of literary love story. So it kind of bridges the gap between, I guess. What is like when you do read um, when you do read a good sentence, like what is something that you look for? Like, I, I know what you mean. Like I uh, one author that I love is Tom Robbins. And that's kind of how I feel like when I read his novel, Still Life with Woodpecker, and just the way that he writes and in all of his uh, novels, it's very, um, I don't know, how, this might sound really weird to say, but it's almost, I like to, I want to speak it out loud. I like the way that he puts like consonants together and, and like the, the way that the words kind of dance in your mouth as you say the sentiment out loud is just something that I really enjoy. And so I'll, I will pick up his book and like, definitely always read it when I'm alone in a room because I want to I, I have to like say the sentence out loud that. to feel how it is that feels. is that the actress of you do you think that comes out that you want to like act it out I know I don't know and and it's not for every book you know it's definitely not for any book that I read um it but I I thought about that because I even you know I have friends that I've been lucky who are fantastic, incredible, talented um, screenwriters and, you know, who I'm just so grateful to not only call them friends, but I've been grateful enough to, you know, work with them and and, and carry out and perform the words that they've written. And, and, um, and so, and it's, it's very fun. I can, I, you know, on the show that I worked on, I could almost tell sometimes when uh, people that I knew very well would write specific you know, whether it's like a longer said statement or um, a bit of a monologue, I could always tell uh, because there was a specific rhythm to the way that they wrote and it would just kind of sit right in the pocket. Um, Like I'm by no means a drummer. I, I, I don't know if I can really stay on the beat of all music, but, um, but there's certain ways and there's a certain cadence to the way that some people write that just feels so good and so I, so that might be, but, th- but even in hearing you speak on the way of like the, the structure of a sentence and how you can get lost in the, like a singular sentence can be enough of a story for you and the way that it's written as opposed to an entire novel. Like, I just, I really love that. And I can, I can, I, I get what you mean when you say that. 
it's really interesting what you said about rhythm because I actually like see myself as a sort of rhythm writer. I've I've never heard anyone talk about this before a lot. I feel like it's not very discussed what you just said about like um, the cadence or like the intonation or, you know, I always find when I'm reading my own work back to myself, the, the part that I'm always most happy with, most pleased with, is when I end the paragraph on like the correct correct beat, where I feel like the beat is just like satisfying. I don't really care about the words or what I'm saying. More, I can care much more about the rhythm and like how the paragraph will end, like how it just feels like ah, I nailed it. It just sat on the right beat. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I know what you mean. 100%. 
and she's still very close with my mother. And I just, uh, but she's it, like, I, I don't remember any of the Swedish that she did teach me. Um, but she was so wonderful. And I, 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 I just think of like the pop culture things that she came, she, she brought, you know, to my knowledge at the time, which was back in the nineties, which would have been Ace of Base. I knew about Ace of Base before anyone else. I felt very cool. Um, but also that just that she spoke English very well. And I always forget that there's like so many, like just traveling throughout that area that it's not uncommon to obviously know English, but that's very interesting that you've leaned into, um, creatively writing English. And I didn't know that there was just um, less words in the Swedish language, which also makes me think that's so interesting that you can fall in love with a sentence and and like, because usually a sentence like that would require like extra thought and care and understanding of the words that you put in. Um, as you were learning English, do you have a favorite word? That also might be a very silly question. I find that I like words that's like, are always my favorites are kind of words about like tricksy women, you know, like being capricious or tumultuous or um, I don't know, like basically words that are about women being like storms. <laughs> are basically like, I don't know, there's, there's something about like a beautiful word talking about a wild woman that just feels like it vibrates like right with me. What about you? Do you have a favorite? I don't. I really, I don't at the top of my head. I mean, man, uh, it's hard for any words to really stick in my brain at this point. I have, and it's all, I feel like I use mom brain as such an excuse, but I, I think it has been studied that like you don't really get a full night's rest anymore until you're like five years in. Um, and so my wow. youngest, I think is almost three. So I have a couple more years to go before I can't use that excuse anymore. Like I can't say, <laughs> use the excuse that like, you know, about my clothes anymore and be like, well, you know, I just had a baby. It's like, no, I can't, I can't use that anymore. But at least I can like still be like, Oh, it's their fault that my brain's not working and I can't remember anything. Um, so I, I don't have an excuse, though. I, I need one of those. No, you had plenty of beautiful words. But I also what I, I would love to hear more about kind of the creation of like your like of then the feminine character within this story, because um, I also read your an article that you wrote recently about just, you know, being a woman and, and this idea of like, especially the way that society views women of like childbearing years, whether or not like, you know, the, just the shock and awe of like the idea that someone might not want it want to have children. And so I definitely want to get to that because I think it ties into everything that you're talking about, these like spirited kind of precocious women and that just, um, <laughs> you know, uh, aren't necessarily, uh, you know, the dance to their own rhythm and, and speak in their own rhythm. Um, so what, when you are writing a heroine and, and a kind of like a central female, like what was that like for you? Like, what did you, was it really based loosely on kind of your own spirit or is there like specific women in your life that you drew upon? Um, well, I mean, since I have like two main characters and they're both narrators, I feel like I, I like there's a bit of me in both of them. Um, I wouldn't say that one of them is more similar to me than the other. Um, definitely when it comes to the, the female narrator, Sam, she is, more wild than I am, more capricious and tumultuous and all that than I am. Um, but she has some like similar experiences that I do. Like she's Swedish, she lives in London, she's 
happily child-free, but I would say that it's not based on me or anyone I know. She's very, like, very much a a, a fiction character. Um, I do definitely like her, but I don't like her as, like, a version of myself. I don't see myself in her that much um, because I feel like, you know, I want to do this for a long time. I want to write so many books. I can't write about myself all the time. And like after being a YouTuber for I don't even know how many years, I'm just kind of tired of like talking about myself. It was really like freeing to come up with these characters and let them talk and like let them have experiences and opinions and just flaws like you know really flaunting their flaws was so liberating to me because you know it's not me and you know their bad decisions says nothing about me like I don't have to defend them or whatever so I could like really get into like the messy nature of like a contemporary love story and like let them be messy and flawed without you know having to take responsibility for them um so I definitely didn't use myself or anyone I know that much when it came to Sammy. She just came kind of fully formed of her own. When you're uh, watching a love story or reading a love story, are you someone who loves like that flash in the pan, that firework, do you, like that immediate can't sleep, can't eat, you know, they must be with each other to the point where they might devour one another and, and ruin each other because they're just so obsessed with each other. Or do you kind of gravitate more towards that like slow burn where, you know, it's almost as if the their love story is on a dimmer and it just slowly gets brighter and lighter and more clear over time? I love it all. Like I've come to realize that I'm quite a romantic. I didn't think that I was because I'm not a very sentimental person, but it turns out I'm quite romantic. Like I love all types of love stories, like not just romantic ones either. I just, I feel like, you know, the world is quite harsh. Like there's so many horrible things going on that what I really want to watch and read myself or write for that matter is just like quite beautiful human relationships. Like you know, flawed and messy, but definitely that has a sort of at least a will to make it work and like trying to be a good person for your other person. So, I mean, sizzling love stories, yes. Slow burns, yes. Like in my book, it's definitely all good. What about you? Do you have a favorite one to act? Like the slow burn or the sizzling Um, one? I mean, not necessarily to act. I think it's more just what I enjoy watching in a story. I think it's the, the kind of a delayed realization I, I, you know, I don't trust when two people just, uh, when that's it, they just see each other and immediately know. Like when mm-hmm. I just, I don't understand it. It confuses me. When I see it in a story, I'm like, oh, this is just going to be explosive and this constant push and pull and it's just exhausting. And And I think that there was a younger version of me that thought that that's beautiful and exciting and sexy and enticing and and that that's just how it happens that you just know that like mm-hmm. you know and so often people just kind of describe that and so and I think as I've gotten older and heard more love stories or seen more kind of love stories played out and whether it be art or in novels or even just you know hearing and meeting strangers in their in their stories it's one of my favorite you know, dinner table conversations is to ask a couple that I don't know, like, how did you guys meet? And it's always, I love watching a couple tell each other or tell other people how they met and how that. 
especially if they've been together for yes. so long that they like have it almost acted out who says what and they know exactly like how to best tell the story so you can see that it's like it's been practiced over years like how to tell yes. the story I love I that I do too and I and I it, that you know the romance I think like the most romantic part about a relationship is not like the necessarily the beginning you know that's um that's always going to be the romantic part you know it's later on when you really see each other for who the other person is and you're still able to you know, admire them and you know and like them I think the love part can be easier than the like part and like that's like a whole sure. deeper that's true deeper appreciation um mm. you know and also I think like you know it when if, if it's going to be a long-term relationship you have to like choose each other over and over you can't just choose each other once and then expect five years or 10 years or 30 years later to feel the same way about each other so every time you reach one of those like clinch points where you have to like choose each other again it's so romantic and like I find those like clinch points where you can choose if you want to like part or if you want to choose each other again I think that's probably my most romantic thing to write about or read about or watch or whatever. How long have you and your partner been together? You're putting me on the spot I now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> How long is it? Uh, I think, is it, I think it's 17 years. 17? I think wow. so. If I'm wrong now, David is going to be really that upset. But because he, he's the person who definitely knows. But yeah, I, I think it's 17 years. It's quite a long time. We're not married uh, yet. We will be at one point, but... You know, we have so much work to do. When will you have time to get married? I don't know how people do it. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I, I also think it's incredible that you you work to, together as well, um, which you don't often like for 17 years to have a creative relationship as well as a romantic one. Um, so many people aren't able to do that 
So I know that's this is a personal question. You definitely don't have to answer it. But um, why like what feels good about that? Like what what have you noticed within each other that maybe, you know, feels different than hearing other people talk about working with their spouse where it doesn't go very well or their partner and it doesn't go well? Um, Because I I, what an incredible experience that would be to be able to um, to, you know, share in that kind of creative perspective and challenge each other and and question each other. But then also like that's such a beautiful, yummy part in any working relationship. So I can't imagine having that with your romantic partner as well. Like that's a whole other level of vulnerability. I mean, it really is. I think you put that so beautifully. Um, I think that there's two sides to it. It's like the romantic, like amazing side to it where you just feel like you are the the closest person to you also gets you in a creative way um where like we definitely push each other and like I wouldn't have this job without him and he wouldn't either like it's it feels safe to do it together you're not doing it by yourself I'm so impressed with anyone who has a creative job by themselves um so I think like you know David is my first reader whenever I write something he reads it first and the reason for that is because he is my cheerleader. Like he would just give me, he would just be like confidence boosting me. Like there's no critique. So it doesn't really help the text, but it helps me and my confidence. Um, so that's like, and also he has like great ideas. If I get stuck, I just talk it out with him. And then he will tell me like, what about the scene? Can we work on this? So I get like a lot of like creative help from him as well. And then the other side of it, where I guess like a lot of people other couples maybe feel like it wouldn't be a a great uh, fit for them to work together. And that's like, you know, it's stressful. Like having a business is stressful. We have two businesses together. It's really stressful. And, you know, when we're stressed, we're going to take it out on each other. So we will bicker or, you know, it's definitely not always like romantic and, you know, making out in between, you know, taking photos or whatever. It can be that, but, you know, it's often like, let's get this done quickly and, you know, have lunch and then rush, rush off to the next thing. So I think like probably there are two different types of relationships, those who feel like they grow from it and become closer and those who are just like at each other's throat all the time because of it. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I just feel like we work like a third of our life or whatever, maybe a quarter of our life. And that's too much, too many hours for me not to spend with him. Like in a life, I just want to spend as many hours with him as I can. Um, it would just feel like a waste to be away from each other during the day. I really love that. That's uh, <laughs> that's beautiful. Um, you mentioned a few elements that paralleled your own life that are within your character in the story um, or in your novel that, uh, you know, from Sweden to London and, and certain things like that. You mentioned also that David would always be the first reader of all of your work. Was he, was there, is there any part of him that's in your story or part of you both that are in your story um, that only you guys would know or see? Um, yes, I would say like, of course, um, you know, I am a, a person. So stuff from my brain, I, like everything comes from my brain anyway. And, almost all of it is completely made up but some moods or like some settings and or some like words might be from you know I'm sounding really cheesy now I realize no, that I'm sounding really no. cheesy now but <laughs> I love but like, cheese yeah, I love like... all kinds of cheese emotional cheese hard cheeses <laughs> okay, soft cheeses you know <laughs> okay amazing yeah I think like um the best parts of 
both Sam and Luke, the two main characters, the best parts of them are like from David and the messiest, worst parts from them are definitely more from me. <laughs> I have a feeling that he would have something else to say towards that, but that's a very beautiful uh, romantic you never know. sentiment. You might actually yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, w- I really want to talk about um, your article in The Guardian as well, um, because I think that you're broaching a subject matter that you've also just spoke about on your social media as well as your YouTube platform, uh, your YouTube channel, uh, that I, it's just such a fresh breath of air. And whenever women like specifically talk about the fact that they don't have interest in having children, I just think it is powerful and important for others to hear that. I have friends of mine in my life who just clearly are just as much as I knew when I was I've known for a very long time that I always wanted to be a mother. I knew it in my bones. I wanted children. And then I have friends that knew it from a very young age that they're like, I don't want to be a mother. I don't want to have children. And there is nothing wrong with that. And you have like, I don't know if David did read, um, you know, your piece before it was published, but I just thought that this was such a beautiful thing that you wrote at the end, uh, speaking to him and also because so many people say that women are going to change oh you'll change your mind this is just a phase of not wanting to have children um but you were talking in your article in your essay about uh trusting you know david as well and in respecting like his ideas of whether or not he wants to have children and you said trust that he can make his own decision guard his own happiness Respect him enough to not treat him like a hysterical, irrational woman who doesn't know her own mind by telling him, you know, you might change your mind when you get older. But just making space in your in your in your relationship for both of you to have feelings and explore them of whether or not you want to have children as opposed to just you both have to have this idea or that you have to kind of fall in line with like a society's idea and leaving room for him as well because it's so often put on the woman um but what it like what has kind of encouraged you to speak more on and write this essay and as well as on your different channels about the fact that at this point in your life you are child-free and and happy and proud of that and and self-accepting of that to me it's like second nature like I, I never really questioned it I always knew that I just didn't want to have children uh, ever since I was like 10 or 11 um and you know I would definitely hear from more or less everyone that I would change my mind and you know I'm too young to know and the biological clock, whatever that is. I've never felt it. I'm sure a lot of people have, but I use, mine is faulty. Like it doesn't tick uh, at all. So I think like since I, since my channels uh, on social media are all about just me talking about whatever interests me, I think it became like, it became quite obvious for me to share this part of my life as well, because I feel like, like basically at the time when I started talking about it, I never saw anyone else talk about it. I know now that it's become like a, a much bigger like topic in, in media to talk about. But I find that like usually when uh, media portrays child-free women or there's a child-free woman in, you know, uh, in TV or film or in books, it's always like there has to be like a reason why she's child-free. There has to be like some trauma mm-hmm. in her background or you know, some uh, medical issues, like some deep reason to why this woman doesn't want to have children. Or even like a question of her femininity. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. 
yeah, maybe she's just like too, you know, a careerist who's too ambitious or cold, you know, that type, like the villain yes. in, in the movie. Yep. I would have found it really lovely when I was much younger and people were questioning it a lot more if I had seen some representation of women who are just like happy to be child-free. There's no reason. I, I don't have any trauma or, you know, I, I don't know if I have any medical issues having children because I've never tried, obviously, but... um as far as I know, I, I'm capable to have children if I want to. Um, so I feel like us like happily child-free women are so underrepresented and I won't change my mind. Like, of course, you never know, but it's going to be too late soon anyway. So I and I've never, you know, felt a single time in my life that I might change my mind. So I'm pretty sure that it's not a phase. I'm pretty sure that it's just basically me as a person who is just, you know, child child-free from from birth like I never once thought that I might be a mother and I have no idea why that is like if it's you know genetic or social or whatever it's just me it's just who I am um and I'm really comfortable talking about it obviously I do get a lot of hate whenever I do talk about it because you know yeah but there's just so many men out there who really seem to have a problem with women deciding about their own bodies. I don't know why that is, why they care so much, but they really seem to care. Oh, Jenny, living in Tennessee, I can tell you that is very accurate here. Very involved. (laughs) All up in my uterus when I don't understand why. (laughs) Don't understand why. Um, That's horrible. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, But I I just, I really appreciated your essay because, again, I I have, it makes complete sense to me why someone, why anyone would decide that they are not interested in having children, just like it makes complete sense to me, well, why I wanted to. And it's just always blown my mind why. And it's always, it's always the, like the female that gets villainized for it. And so your article was just so beautiful and pleasant and, um, and warm and, um, and maternal in, in talking (laughs) about, um, not wanting to become a mother. It was just really wonderful. So I just appreciated that um, as a reader of it. Thank you. And you know, it's it's weird because ever since I started talking about it, like whenever I make a video about it for YouTube or write an essay or something, the, just the, the response is always huge from like all over the world. Women saying that they have felt this way and never been able to express it or, you know, um, be proud of it because there's so much pressure on them to just be be normal and have children and like give your parents grandchildren that's a big one like there's almost like a guilt factor Mm -hmm. to choosing your own lifestyle and I don't know I just think that the more we talk about it obviously it it gets better and better and I think already just in the last couple of years uh, it seems like society is catching up a lot more I'm not sure like now you just told me that men are up in your uterus over there so I'm not sure if this is true but I feel like definitely here anyway in London it seems to be like getting better well that's that's refreshing to hear um Jenny I am so excited for you to continue for your have you already been working on another novel yes I actually just sent a first draft to my agent last week so it's been a week of champagne and nerves for me <laughs> over here. <laughs> well, the champagne is definitely for OK Days, which everyone can get now. Congratulations on your debut novel. Um, Thank you so much. And I'm truly so excited to continue watching your career as a writer and an author. 
Uh, before I let you go, Jenny, I just want to ask you five last questions. It's a little conversation cool down I like to do with all of my guests. Uh, so if you could just kind of the first word, maybe a favorite word or favorite or just like quick sentence, you know, beautiful um, architected sentence um, about <laughs> just the first thing that comes to mind. I'm going to ask you a few questions. So if you could just tell us, Jenny, what is something that you like? Oh, um, I like drinking champagne while reading a book, listening to jazz. I mean, I that sounds amazing. I might have to like that too. That might have to be my new thing. Okay, what is something that you know? I know that home is not a geographical place. It is usually a person or people. What is something that you hate? I hate um, violence and conflict, probably most of all. What is something that you love that is not a friend or partner or family? London. Can I say London? Yes, of course. It's almost like a partner at this point, the city. (laughs) And last but not least, Jenny, what is a quirky little fact about you? Oh, so I'm extremely messy eater. Like I, I'm not just a messy eater, I'm messy in general. Like my, my hand, like hand to mouth coordination is not working really well. So I spill stuff. Like I have white shirts, but I really shouldn't have white shirts because there is marinara all over all of them. I mean, I would have never guessed with your minimalism lifestyle and beautiful, like neutral palettes of clothing that you are showcasing on your social media. Um, But I'm going to be looking out for uh, marinara stains from now on, as well as... I have have many products. (laughs) I have so many different sprays for this stuff. Like, I mean, I guess you do too. Like you have, you have children. So that's another excuse that you actually have an excuse to have messy clothes. I don't. I just have I know. That is the one perk. If you ever decide, you know, in the event that like, you're like, well, I maybe I have kids for them to just like have the excuse to be messy all the time and like forget things. That is very helpful. Um, It It is a perk. It is. It is a perk. (laughs) It is a perk. Well, Jenny, thank you so much. Um, Congratulations again. And I cannot wait to read your next book and continue to watch your career grow. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. A Superbloom podcast is hosted by me, Candace King, produced by Melissa D. Mons and Diamond Imprint Productions, edited by Diane Kang, post-production sound by Coco Lawrence, and advertising partnership with ACAST. <laughs>